first reading this morning is from uh, Psalm uh, 150, and then afterwards we will move on to uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 6 to 14. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in, in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then Revelation chapter 5, 6 to 14. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the, all of the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is God's word. Aidan, thank you very much for reading those two passages. Can I add my welcome uh, to Matt, who's been leading? My name's Jason, uh, pastor at the Bridge Battersea, a congregation supported by this church. It's great to be here with you again this morning. Uh, as we begin, let's bow our heads and pray. Our loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, for the chance to come before your word again this morning. And your word tells us that it is like fire, that it has the power to change and refine and purify and teach and grow us in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask that by the power of your spirit, you would do that work in each of us here today, this morning. For Jesus' sake we ask. Amen. Uh, it was a period of uh, intense persecution in uh, the country of China. And uh, uh, the pastor, who goes by the name of Brother Yun, uh, was encouraging some Christians in a, uh, a house uh, in a part of China. And uh, in the middle of the night, uh, some, soldier, some soldiers uh, burst into the, to the house, pulled him out, and uh, loaded him onto the back of an open-top truck. He didn't have any coat on. It was... Uh, sub-zero of very cold temperatures, and he was transported in pitch black uh, to uh, what was a prison cell. He wrote later that as um, the handcuffs, which they'd handcuffed him with, um, as he was driving along, they, they sort of iced up with icicles. And as the, the truck sort of 
jumped up and down as he sat in the back of it. They sort of cut, cut into him like razor blades as he was being transported along. And he gets eventually to this, um, this cell, doesn't know where he is or what's going on, and he's locked with the door closed behind him. He can't see anything. And with his hands still handcuffed, he, he, he bangs around the side of the walls of this room, trying to work out where he is, trying to find anything that will help him to, to know. And he finds a window boarded up, and he smashes and smashes as hard as he can until uh, a shaft of light darts across to the other side of the room through a window that he's found. And as he scans around the room, he sees nothing in the room apart from a box, and he goes over to the box and smashes the box open, and inside the box is a drum. Now, what do you do? There you are, probably the last night of your life, quite possibly. You don't know where you are, you're freezing, and you're in a cell with a drum. What do you do? Well, if you're Brother Yun, you take that drum, you begin to bang out a rhythm, and you sing Psalm 150. Why would he do that? Why would, why would he, he sing this song of praise to God? Well, I think the psalm itself gives us the answer. We're going to look at that now. If you've lost the page, please do turn back to uh, Psalm 150. We're on page, as I find it, we're on page 634. And there's an outline on one of the sheets in your program that should help you. Uh, if you uh, like to, to look at the such things. This psalm's clearly about praise. Uh, you can see it there, can't you? We're told 13 times to praise the Lord. And it's worth saying that the position of this psalm in the book of Psalms tells us something about the direction of the Christian life, or as I've put it on your sheets there, the increasing desire of the Christian life. See, each of the five books of Psalms ends with a, a hymn of praise, at least a sh- few short verses of it. And yet we get to the end of the whole book of Psalms and we get five whole Psalms full of praise, this being the climax of them all. And more than that, the whole book from Psalm 3 after the introduction through to Psalm 150 is a movement from lament to praise. It's like, I don't know if if when you were little you used to get those post-it notes and you'd start at one end of the post-it notes and do a kind of sad face. And you gradually, with each page of the post-it notes, sort of curl up the mouth until, you know, as you flicked it through, it gradually went into a smile. So it's a movement from lament to praise. That's how the book of Psalms works. And what's the relevance of this for us? Well, the, the, the structure of the book is a picture of how the Christian life should go. As we're wrestling with the struggles and hardships and frustrations that we face, this is where it's supposed to end up. This is what we were made for. This should be our increasing desire. So that like Job, in the midst of adversity, even we face hard times, we might say, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when you read the book of Revelation, a picture of what will happen at the end of all time, you see that this is our eternal destiny, a life filled with praise. Well, what is it? Uh, Matt very helpfully gave us a, a little example at the beginning. It's an outward expression of an internal passion. It's an outward expression of an internal passion. It's showing on the outside what you feel on the inside. I've been to two uh, Michael Jackson concerts, uh, 
And both times, I know, I admit it, but, but both times, as he began to form, as, as he began to perform, as he appeared on stage at Wembley Stadium, the roar was absolutely incredible. The whole stadium erupted in praise. It, it was an outward expression of their internal passion. And it would be completely bizarre if the moment that he appeared on stage, this incredible entertainer, uh, there was silence or sort of knowing nods of approval. Well, here, here. Well done. Be odd. Now, if I appeared on the stage, well, that would make more sense, especially if they saw me dance. That would make absolute sense. But, but, but when Michael Jackson appears on the stage, well, it should be an outward expression of the way that they feel inside, completely normal whether it be in speech or in song. That's what praise is. And in this psalm, we're going to learn more about where to praise him, why to praise him, how to praise him, where to praise him, why to praise him, how to praise him, and finally, who should do it. So let's uh, get started and look at where do we praise God. And the answer, quite simply, is everywhere. Let's read verse 1 of Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. The picture here is of heaven and earth uniting in joyful adoration. The sanctuary is the chosen dwelling place of God in Old Testament language. It's the, the temple, the place where God especially dwelt. And it's where people used to gather to, to praise him. And the picture here is of of us command, uh, of the command to join forces with the heavenly choir, the, the mighty heavens who praise him from where they are. Now, what an amazing thought it is that when we sing, as we've just been singing, we're joined by the whole company of heaven in song. I wonder what was going through your mind as we sung that last song. You might have been here you know, partly waking up partly with your mind on what you had for breakfast, partly focused on the day ahead. And yet in the midst of it, billions of angels join us in song. And of course, for us as believers today, God's sanctuary, the place where he chooses to dwell, isn't simply where we come together on a Sunday. God's sanctuary is in us. And so it's not merely about singing a song after you've heard me speak. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever time it is, it's time to praise God. Now, um, sociologists talk about uh, social uh, registers. It's natural, they say, that we have lots of different social registers. Now, all that means is that when we're with different people, we use uh, different words and have different topics of conversation, some of which other people wouldn't necessarily understand. So when you're with your family, you use some sort of language and words and you talk about things that other people, if they were listening, just wouldn't quite understand. You, you, you recognize that sort of thing. I used to be a DJ, believe it or not. And um, I know, hard to believe, hard to believe. And the person that I used to DJ with, he's now an investment banker, I'm a vicar. And uh, when, when, we, when we get together, um, we, we sort of revert to this 17-year-old language that our wives sort of look, in, look on in despair and wonder what it is that we're talking about. You slip into different ways of speaking with different groups of people, different ways of speaking, different topics of conversation. Now, when it comes to praise of God, we've got to rip up the rule book on social registers. 
Because whether you're at church or at home or at work, God deserves to be praised. doesn't matter who you're with or, or what the topic of conversation is. I came across an interesting example of this myself when I was working as a doctor. I'd, I'd done a full day's work. It was coming to the on-call shift, so it was about 8 o'clock. And uh, one of my bosses, the, the registrar, called me into his office. And he said to me, Jason, what do you want to get out of this shift? And I thought, oh, here we go. We've got a wise guy. Uh, this is going to be a long. This is going to be a long shift, and um, and uh, I, I don't know what I said. I said something, and then, and then he said to me, "Well, I'm a Christian, and I think God is great, and more than anything else, I really want to honour God during this shift." And I thought, "You weirdo!" I, I just I couldn't understand where he was coming from at the time, but as I've reflected on that, I think to myself, actually, I was the weirdo. I was the weird one thinking that there was some corner of this earth where it wasn't right to praise the living Lord. In his own way, that's what he was doing. He wanted to speak about how great he was. Now, you might not do it in the same way with the same words, but he had the right idea, didn't he? He had the right idea. You know, it strikes me that, uh, you know, a day will come when we will be in the new creation, when we will be in heaven. And can you imagine what it would be like? Uh, if, if there was a cinema in heaven where we could watch a replay of the lives that we'd lived. And as we watch this replay of the lives that we've lived, we, we can barely see the screen because of the brilliance of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure if I were to watch that video, I would think to myself how silly I was. How silly I was to spend, not spend any, any moment of my time giving him the praise, the adoration, the glory, the respect that he deserves. Where should we praise God? Everywhere. Everywhere. Secondly, why do we praise God? And the answer comes in verse 2. It's for his saving acts and his surpassing greatness. Let me read verse 2 for us again. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. And his acts of power there means his saving acts. The the last few psalms are littered uh, with details of Israel's history and the many times when he had acted to rescue them and to deliver them. And we know for us, of course, that his saving acts are seen supremely in the cross of Jesus Christ. The, the, The moment in history... When Jesus swapped places with us, stepped into our shoes, and took the punishment that we deserve so that we could have friendship with God. Some years ago, when I was uh, much younger than I am now, I must stress that before I tell this story, I uh, uh, designed a game to play with my brother and sister. Matt's laughing, he's heard this story before. And the game consisted of this. You get a, a, a few sheets of A4 paper, and you cut them up into little squares. I used uh, some scissors that looked um, a little bit like these ones. You get some scissors, you, you cut, cut the paper up into little A4 uh, sort of tiny squares, one inch squared. And the game was that I'd give these bits of paper to my brother and sister. They would throw them up into the air, and I'd take the scissors and see how, how many smaller bits I could cut them into while they were in the air. That was the game. I, I don't know why I thought this was a game. That was a game. 
And so um, it was going really well, and uh, you know, playing this, you'd gone through a few, few rounds, getting very excited, and so my, my sister throws them up in the air, and I go like this, and I cut through two of her fingers. Um, and at that moment, um, y y you can picture the scene, can't you? Um, there's, there's blood coming out of my sister's, it's pouring out of my sister's fingers. My, my brother is sort of stepping back slowly from the scene <laughs> of the crime. And there I am holding, holding the scissors, blood sort of oozing down the side of it. And I hear my dad just uh, walking very fast along the top corridor of our house and down the stairs. And he walks into the room, and there I am. <laughs> now, I, I very much doubt that you've done anything quite that silly in your life. But have you had a moment where it's as if you're holding the scissors in your hands? You know that you've done something crazy and the consequences are just, they're going to come. And you think to yourself, if only I could change that. But I just can't. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that, where you think, I've done something, I can see the consequences, if only I could change it. Well, the Bible says that each of us has done something far more silly than that. You see, we've, we've tried to cut off ties with the living God, who, who made us, who sustains us, who gives us every good thing to enjoy. And you know what? Jesus Christ has stepped into my place, into your place if you trust in him, and taken the scissors out of our hands and taken the punishment that we rightly deserve for our wrongdoing, our rejection of him that leads to the wrong things that we do to one another. So instead of the punishment that we rightly deserve, we know forgiveness and friendship. A forgiveness and friendship that lasts for eternity. That is why Brother Yun, and I'll put the scissors down now, that is why Brother Yun uh, could sing Psalm 150 on what could have been the last day of his life. You see, whatever happened that day, the implications of God's mighty acts of power couldn't be taken away from him. Now, look, uh, that's true for us, too. You may never have been imprisoned, um, but we all have moments, don't we? Circumstances that don't seem great. Uh, I remember uh, just a couple of years ago when uh, I was struggling to find, um, I needed to find a, a good chunk of money, £20,000, to, to, to keep on studying, doing the course that I was doing. And I, was, I, was, I didn't know how I was going to find this money, and I got a call uh, from someone who said, I think we can do it. I think we can supply the money. I said, what have I got to do? He said, all you've got to do is come to an interview. I said, well, great. A couple of weeks went past, and I got a call from this guy again. And I said, oh, yeah, good to hear from you. He said, how are you? I said, I'm very well. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just doing some work in my study. He said, you're supposed to be in an interview now. And uh, my heart sort of sank. I said, what, what if I leave home now and come? He said, no, 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 they, they've got to go. They've got to go in half an hour. You, you can't make it. The 20,000 pounds just vanished before my eyes. And um, when I'm thinking rightly, I can even praise God in that moment, even in that moment. I was reading this psalm at the time, which is why I tell the story. I can thank him in that moment that I've been given friendship and forgiveness that will last into eternity. And so now, and I share this with you because this is what I tried to do since that day, uh, I try and remind myself, my children, five things that are always true as a, as a result of 
what God has done as a result of that mighty acts of power. That God the Father loves me. God the Son died for me. God the Spirit lives in me. I'm on my way to glory. And all things work together for the good of those who love him. Whatever else is going on in my life, because of that act of power, those things are always true. At any time of any day, God the Father loves me, God the Son died for me, God the Spirit lives in me, I'm on my way to glory, and all things work together for the good of those who love him. Always true, his saving acts, and we should praise him for it. The second thing there in verse 2 is his surpassing greatness, and let me say I'm spending longer on this uh, half, we'll speed up as we go through. The second thing is his surpassing greatness. That means all that he is as a compassionate creator and sustainer of the universe. And there's so many ways we could go to think about his, his work as sustainer and creator. But let me just say one, one that struck me uh, in recent days. That even as he um, gave up his final breath on the cross, Jesus Christ was still sustaining the world. Colossians 1 and uh, Hebrews 1 tell us that Jesus is the one who sustains the whole world. And even as he died, he was still doing that. Even as he was beaten to within an inch of his life, even as blood was pouring out of every orifice, even as insults were hurled at him from every direction, even as a, a spear was stuck into his side, even as his body was wrapped up and he was put in a, a, a tomb, even then there was not a moment when he was still when he was not still sustaining the world. It was Jesus Christ who maintained the laws of physics so that the insults that were hurled against him could be heard. It was him who kept the centurion's heart beating so that he could thrust a sword in his side. And he did all of this because of his great love for us. You see, his, his greatness as creator and sustainer is a loving greatness. He could have ended the world right there and yet, because of his great love, he uses his great power for our good. He is a compassionate creator who sustains and orders all of history for our good. Isn't that great? Isn't that worth praising God for? It's with that kind of compassion that he still runs the world. And doesn't that give you confidence to praise him even in adversity? You see, when the phone rings as it has for my family, and your dad picks it up and it's cancer. When you're sitting with someone who can't shake off depression, when you filled out another job application and it's turned down, when you just wish a relationship situation was different, though things seem out of your hands, we are in the hands of a compassionate creator who sustains and orders all history for our good. Don't you want to praise him? Praise him then for his surpassing greatness. And now we pick up the pace, you'll be glad to know, as we move on to how it's done in verses three, and five, 3 to 5, with anything you've got. Verse 3, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with the tambourine and dancing, praise him with the string and the flute, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. Do you see the gradual crescendo of noise as every instrument is employed in the worship of God? 
In verse 3, the, the trumpet is the instrument of royal announcement. The, uh, the harp in verse 3, that, that's, the, that's the temple music. In verse 4, right at the end, we get the flute. That's a kind of, it's, a, it's the simple instrument that everyone has. It's like the recorder that you used to annoy your parents with when you were really young. It's that kind of instrument. You know, the picture here is uh, that from subwoofer to strings, every form of music is to be employed from every sort of occasion to praise God. And Brother Yin illustrates that incredibly, doesn't he? Whatever you can find, whatever you can find, use it to praise God. I'm so thankful for uh, my African brothers and sisters who over the past years have taught me just this, no instruments most of the time, and yet they make the most beautiful noise to the Lord that I've ever heard. They just used what they had, whether they'd been their mouths or a drum or whatever, they just used it. And you know what, in a context where music is so often a divisive thing, where the way it's done, the instruments that are used, it's so often a massive deal in a divisive way. It's refreshing to be reminded that God says, look, take whatever you've got and get on with the business of praising him. Don't worry about what it is. Get on with the business of praising God. Bang, your, bang, again, bang a rock against a wall if you have to. Click your fingers if that's what helps you. But whatever you do, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How's it done with anything you've got? With anything you've got. And who should do it? Verse 6, who should do it? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything in the preceding verses is directed to Israel, to God's people. But now all humans, in fact all creatures, are told to praise God. Now I say this more tentatively than I have uh, the other things I've said. But I wonder if uh, praise uh, that we, pr- that the, the way that we praise God links to the whole earth beginning to praise God. Perhaps once again, ripping up the rule book on our social registers is part of the means by which everyone comes to praise him. How does that work out? Well, I remember here a men's breakfast some years ago now, and um, a guy called Pete Woodcock was giving the talk. And later on uh, in the evening, I happened to be in the pub, it was a Saturday, I went up to the bar and ordered a drink, and someone came up next to me, and he just sort of turned over, didn't know him, and I said, uh, he said, how's your day been? And I said to him, well, you know what, I was reminded this morning that Jesus is king of the world, and uh, actually, uh, I, just, I should just remember that and be really grateful for it. I had the best conversation that I've had with a non-Christian for a long time, for a long time. Now, you may not, again, do it in quite the same way. And I didn't do it because I felt I had to get an opportunity to share the gospel with this guy. I just wanted to, I just wanted to praise Jesus. And so I spoke to him about, about him and what I'd learned about him. Perhaps you might recommit with me today to overflow with praise to everyone you meet. Start with your brothers and sisters here. Do you speak of how great he is with one another? Because if we don't do it here, we're certainly not going to do it to anyone else, are we? Will you recommit to do it with one another? And maybe, just maybe, as we praise our living Lord, other people might come to praise him too. Now, I'm not naive. 
Some will respond positively. Many will respond negatively. After all, praise is declaring who God is and what he's done. That's what we've seen in verse 2. The gospel, the Bible tells us, is the stench of death to some. And yet in the face of all of that, the beginning of the book of Psalms tells us what God does, Psalm 2. It says that God laughs. It says that a coronation has already happened. The king of the universe has already been declared, and it hasn't happened at Westminster Abbey or at the White House, but it's happened at the right hand of the Father on Resurrection Day. Jesus Christ is the king of the universe. And so we shouldn't be afraid to proclaim that he is king. The Bible is clear here in verse 6 that it's not just desirable, it's inevitable. It's where all of history is going. A day is coming, a day is coming, friends, when every knee will bow, when every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the master of all. As it said in Revelation 5 there, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That is what is going to happen, friends. Where do we praise God? Everywhere. Why do we praise him? For, for who he is and for what he's done. How do we praise him? With anything you can get your hands on. And who should praise him? Everyone. And by God's grace, as we praise him to one another, maybe other people may hear and come to know of him and come to praise him with us. So in summary then, as it says at the, the last a little bit on your sheet there, everyone, everywhere, with anything, for everything that he's done. Now, we spent most of our time on verse 2 because that is the key to it. That is the heart of it, why we praise him. So let me uh, finish with a final story. I was asked to give a sermon once at another church, and um, I I was interviewed at the beginning. I was a guest speaker. I was interviewed at the beginning, and I spoke about lots and lots of things during the interview, and I sat down, and I realized that I haven't mentioned my wife. I haven't mentioned my wife at all. (laughs) Now, she didn't care. My wife didn't care at all. Uh, But I realized that I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been able to stand up and give that talk that I gave if it wasn't for her grace and love that she's shown me time and time again. I mean, truth be told, if you'd seen the before and after of Jason Roach, well, I I was just a bit of a mess. I mean, I I was living on grapes, and I mean, it was just just awful. It It was a mess. It was a mess. I owe quite a lot to my wife. And I resolved after that day that if I was a guest speaker anywhere, then uh, my wife gets praised whether the people listening like it or not. That's just what I said would happen if I get interviewed. If I get interviewed, my wife gets praised no matter what. And you know what? God has done something far more profound than even my lovely wife has done in Jesus Christ. He's taken the scissors out of our hands, friends. He's taken the scissors out of our hands. He's taken the punishment we deserve to win us forgiveness and friendship that will last into the rest of forever. Whatever your circumstances, whether you've lost 20,000 pounds, whether you have a, a, a brother yun moment and find yourself in a prison cell, the benefits that our God has won for us can never be taken away. And so let us praise the Lord everywhere with anything for everything that he's done. And God willing, many more will join us. Let's bow our heads and pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, reminding us again, not only of your command to pray, but of the many, many, many reasons you give us why you are a God who is worthy of praise. Worthy of praise because of your acts of power which have saved us and redeemed us and restored us and brought us into a magnificent hope that cannot be taken away from us. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that increasingly as we praise one another, whether it be here in church, whether it be uh, as we talk to one another after meetings or together, that our praise might be pleasing to you and might lead others to want to know of you, our great God. And we pray that in your kindness and grace, others might come to praise him too. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.